0: Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com mailbag podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and check them out online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com or give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. That's Blue Water Climate Control for all your HVAC needs. Check them out for whatever you need for any kind of repair, whether it's a simple service or a major repair. They're going to take care of you at Blue Water Climate Control. They're going to do the right repair the right way the first time Be sure and check them out. You can book your appointment online or give them a buzz, Jeremy and his staff, a buzz at 865-299-2290 with Austin Price. Brent Hubbs, glad to have you along with us on this mailbag edition of the podcast. And Austin, uh, we will jump right into it. First question out of the gate from Nash Ketchum. If Milton is named a starter, where does he fall in your projected quarterback power rankings for the East? Who, Who would you say is the best quarterback Tennessee will face this year? That one seems like a pretty easy lay down. JT Daniels is the best in the East and the most talented quarterback Tennessee is going to play.
1: Yeah. It, the only thing you could maybe say would be Matt Corral at, at Ole Miss as far as playmaking ability. Um, and, and until Bryce plays at Alabama. You know, I mean, he just doesn't have any kind of body of work at Alabama. So um, I, I would definitely say JT, though, as well. And as far as the East, I mean, it's kind of JT and then everybody's tied second. I mean, like, I everybody's mean, like either good to a new head coach uh, they're new to the school um, you know, a new coordinator, you know, no experience. Like there, there's nobody to me. There's not anybody that you can just go, you know, okay, Hey, he, he out of default because he's got experience. He's the number two, you know, it, there's just newness abound um, across the East behind uh, JT. And so, you know, you can see Emory Jones, you can see Joe Milton, get a Kentucky who came from Penn state, you know, I mean, I know they're high on him, but I mean, they got a new offense. How's he really look, you know, with with their offensive weapons up there that was set up to do something different a year ago. So, yeah, I mean, I just think it's a hodgepodge behind JT until, you know, a month in when you kind of see
0: everybody play. Yep, because JT does have his offensive coordinator back as well. Now, some of his weapons are a question mark because of some of the injuries they've had. It's interesting on Emory Jones, Joe Milton may have more experience than Emory Jones. probably has more experience than he Emory does. Jones has. You know, uh, now, not in the same system. Emory Jones have been in the system. But um, I, I think Emory Jones has got to prove to everybody he can do more than run around, right? I mean, I, I know – I mean, Dan Muller's done a great job with quarterbacks and all different types of quarterbacks, and um, Emory Jones may make a, a huge step forward, uh, but he's got to show more than just a guy who who tucks it and runs, which is kind of what he's been to this point in his career at Florida. Um, Biggin wants to know any time frame on an update on Lindsey Nelson Stadium renovations. Tony Vitello saying on calls Wednesday night, uh, expanding capacity uh, this season. Um, don't know if that's going to be – probably that's going to be some type of temporary bleachers or like what they had for the regional. They are working on some stuff underneath uh, the stadium um, for player enhancement, player development, which has been on the books. They can get started on that one because there's already some approval with um, building codes and, and, and the commission commissioners and all those things that you have to get done. Uh, that's why some of the things are being done in Lindsay Nelson – or excuse me, in Needland Stadium that are being done because they were already on the docket. You could, you could get to that quickly, um, lights being one of those. You know, that's something that was on the docket and already uh, down the road for approval when, when Danny White got here. So um, I think that that's where you're going to see some of that stuff done uh, inside Lindsey Nelson Stadium that fans won't see. And then I think at the end of this upcoming baseball season is when you're going to see the major renovation, the major facelift, if you will, uh, to Lindsay Nelson Stadium. I, I think that is when you're going to see the big change uh, take place to the look of that stadium based on Tony Vitello's comments and, and everybody else that you talk to. I think one of the things is they got to continue with the drawings and the renderings to decide exactly what you're looking at, what's the cost going to be, and how different are you going to make it? Is what Tony Vitello's vision, Danny White's vision, what do they come up with in terms of uh, how they want that to look, how big they want it to be, and, and all of those things uh cg shaw wants to know what are you looking forward to finding out most about this team in a game how much they have improved or how does the staff players react when adversity hits why and what are you looking for the most austin offense
1: offense and more offense i mean you know we watched such putrid offense a year ago and so uh, to me it's really really easy if tennessee went 60 to forty. I think, you know, <laughs> you, you might be scratching your head at the defense, but I think everybody's just going to be happy to see some excitement, some fireworks and, um, you know, just kind of an offensive explosion. So, you know, it to, to me, that's rather easy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you're curious as to see how this team handles adversity, but that adversity is not going to hit till probably the pit game, you know, you know, more likely. So, um, I am you know, curious to see that, how they function in terms of play calling and, you know, running this high tempo, but it all goes back to offense. It starts a quarterback play, you know, do, do they do some things with quarterback play that's going to scare some other opponents? Cause they just haven't been able to do that, uh, the way that you need to, to be successful. Um, the, the last couple of years, uh, C trout M one wants to know, Hey, I love football documentaries like last chance, you undefeated hard knocks, et cetera. If I were an athletic director in this age of NIL, I would hire a film crew to do something similar for my team, give the athletes plenty of time on camera, make viewers feel like they know these kids on a personal level. If you all suddenly found yourself in a role of AD, what creative ideas would you explore to maximize the NIL potential of players in your program?
1: Well, the first thing you got to know is that you can't, Tennessee can't set up, you know, NIL deals. You know, that has to come from an outside source. Um, But you can put your kids in a position to where they're more visible. um, And and that does help them get more NIL deals, in my opinion, um, especially when people see their personality. I mean, you know, what would Grant and Admiral have made just a couple of years ago because of their personality and the way they, they do things. I mean, that's kind of what Fulky's capitalized on with the Powell stuff, you know, I mean, kids, super personable when he's out, you know, out amongst the fans and, And I think those guys would have been too. So, you know, finding ways to, you know, make your guys more, you know, I guess visible. Um, And and a lot of that starts with letting your freshmen talk. Yeah. And
0: if you wanted to get really creative, um, if I were an AD and I had resources, I would be tempted, Austin, to send my film crew, to the hometowns of my of some of my signees, not not midterm enrollees, but guys who signed and do uh, some player features and do some features on those guys before they ever got here, to try to make them marketable out of the gate. Particularly if you're talking about basketball, where you might only have a kid for a year anyway. You yeah. know, I, I think if you got and, and introduced everybody to them before they ever put on pads, kind of like you see some NFL teams do with a draft pick. You know, a lot of times they'll go see to the first round picks hometown and, and do a big story on them or do something like that. I think that's something you could explore doing because the, the thing is you've got to try to create that personality or let them sell their personality as fast as you can. Um, the, the problem with that is how many kids are going to be willing to give up that time without getting money? You know, are, are they willing to do a bunch of interview stuff? Are they going to be asking for money off for all those I think you're going to see kids willing to do those because they're going to realize you have to do those things in order to get NIL deals. I don't think you're necessarily just going to get them based on your star ranking. You know what I'm saying? I think it's going to have to be a situation where businesses are comfortable with you and, and have an idea who you are before they enter an agreement with you uh, on those types of things. But I think I don't think you can get overly creative. I think there's some limited things you can do but I don't know that there's a bunch of crazy, you know, tons of things that, that, that you could do. I mean, hey, you, you know, you can't you – know, spring game, you are gonna set up autograph stands for all those kids or those kids after they sign going to do their autograph stuff outside the stadium, you know, in an NIL deal before they ever get here. You know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, the days of autograph days are probably over, aren't they? In some ways. But, you know, a lot of people
1: thought that – you know, kids wouldn't do interviews without having their Twitter handle behind them on a backdrop, and you know, Tennessee's had almost 40 kids talk yeah. in fall camp. And so, I've,
0: not, I've not seen anybody nationally putting their brand out there that way either. So you're, you're right, which leads us to iHeart's question, and that is after two months of NIL, what is your assessment? Overblown, underblown, kind of what you thought it would be.
1: Kind of what I thought it would be, but if I was going to go anything, I would go underblown um you know i mean a lot of these kids have found out that you know you know what they thought their worth was and what their worth actually is is two different things and so um you know they're not you know unless you're the quarterback at clemson or ohio state or alabama um you know those people are pulling in some big checks some you know some some some, some nice chunk of change but you know you know, much smaller deals here where there's not really a marquee guy at the moment. You know, again, you know, Tennessee gets a quarterback similar to Josh Dobbs and he's very visible and out in the public eye. Then I think that, you know, you got a real chance to make some money.
0: But this current team right now, you know, doesn't. Also, a question for my hearts with Marquis Calloway being the latest ball heading to Canton, how do you explain Butch Jones's recruiting success? Uh, how much credit should Bob Weldon get uh, for these guys' success? Uh, I think Zach Azani should
1: get a lot of credit for Callaway and, you know, a few of these receivers that have come out in the last couple of years because he was on the front lines getting all that done um, and and really helping with, you know, evaluations back during that time. You know, Bob did a good job with evaluations, you know. know, Bob Bob wanted to proclaim that Josh Palmer was going to be better than T. Higgins. Not sure that's the case, but Palmer – is is someone who's, you know, built himself up, Um, you know, the the biggest thing that, you know, interests me is, like, uh, take away a guy like Trey Smith. I mean, Trey Smith was only a sixth-rounder because of his heart deal, you know, um, or lungs. Um, You know, he had the clotting. He had nothing – that had nothing to do with his ability. Um, But, like, you look at, like, Kyle Phillips on an NFL roster from a free agency. Shai Tuttle on an NFL roster from free agency. Um, Marquess Callaway, same thing. Jawan's battling it out trying to, try, trying to make a club. I'm not sure he will, but he's at least still in the mix. Um, you know, the most interesting thing to me, Brian, is how many of these kids, you know, have found a way when they weren't drafted because you, normally, you know, there are some, but this many from one school to me is pretty interesting in this little two-, three-year window.
0: Yeah, it's inter- because it almost feels like you're
1: Jacob Johnson another one
0: yeah like like you're giving them credit for an evaluation but you knock them for the development because they're an NFL talent which you evaluated and found but they didn't develop into a higher draft pick or a draft pick I don't know um, but but certainly that they got some guys right and and some guys have deserve a lot of credit for getting in picking the right place to land in free agency and then going and making the most of it you know Kyle I got like but,
1: Nigel Warrior
0: yeah, is he going to make that club?
1: I think there's a chance, you know. Yeah. I mean, and would be a you know a great thing for Nigel even playing some corner.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting to see if the Ravens um, where where that stands with him moving forward. But hey, he's a guy who certainly um, made some noise in camp to this point. Um, will this year's team be able to defend the middle of the field more effectively than last year's team? And over or under, regardless of who wins the quarterback job, will this year's team score six points? More per game than last year's team. Yeah, that's a a touchdown.
1: If they They don't, then Tennessee's in really rough shape. Um, Middle of the field, we've not seen them practice 11 on 11. But one thing I take away is you can't be any worse than you were a year ago. Last year they were terrible. So, I think you
0: can only go up. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Volgrad, 05, who are the best five players on this football team in your opinion? and uh, wants to know Vescovy or Powell, and you're starting five. I would go with Powell. We'll see what Rick Barnes does. He likes Vescovy a lot, but I would go with Powell. Um, who are your five best players on this team? I think that's a hard question to answer, Austin.
1: Yeah, I mean, ask me a month from now. I mean, like, after the Florida game, you know, I just don't think you know, – We don't. I mean, you know enough, but you don't know enough to kind of go back. I mean, that's that's kind of like really like – putting a spotlight on five guys on this football team. I mean, I think that Cade would be in your five. I think, you know, Byron Young, if he plays the way he's had fall camp, then he would be in your five. But again, until he gets out there and does it on a game field, it's kind of like, you know, it's, I don't want to totally put him in Canton yet. <laughs> um, and and then, and then after that, like all these receivers are kind of similar to me. Like, I'm not sure, you know, you can say, oh yeah, that guy's definitely in the top five, but that guy's not. Same thing with the running backs. Um and then, you know, outside of that, I just think that it's just a hodgepodge of, um, you know, a, a bunch of similar guys.
0: Yeah, again, I think you got to see how they play in this system, how they handle adversity and, and all of those things before you determine uh, who, who your five best, you know, quote, players are at, at this point. But, um, you know, a, again, I think that's an easier question to answer three or four games into this season. Brooks, nineteen seventy-two wants to know: Do you see one of the backup offensive linemen getting some time at tight end, like they've done in the past, um, because of depth issues? If so, who? And will Coach Heupel put out a depth chart prior to game one? No, and no. No depth chart prior to game one. Will there be a depth chart all year long? Uh, if there is, it won't come out till after the pit game. And uh, I mean, sorry, till after till after the before the pit game. And I just – I think the way they use a tight end, I don't think a big offensive lineman makes sense there. I mean, could they have a goal line heavy package of some kind for a play or two maybe, but to line up and play a series in a, quote, jumbo package, I don't think that's what they're going to do and what they want to do with this offense because they ask their – and this up-tempo, Austin, they want those tight ends, you know, flexed out and inside and and out. You know, I thought it was interesting Alex Golish – Um, talking about the tight ends on uh, Wednesday when he met with the media. You know, sounds like Miles Campbell's kind of um, hurt himself, or not his fault, but because of his illness, set him back a little bit. And he likes Julian Nixon, but it doesn't feel like he thinks – doesn't seem like he thinks, you know, those guys are ready to help right out of the gate. I think you're going to see a lot of Princeton fan for Tennessee in this opener at tight end. And Jacob Warren. Yeah, early in the year, that's certainly what it feels like. be curious to see if Hunter Salmon plays some, too. I would not be surprised to see him get a little bit of – get some snaps as they try to bring um, Miles Campbell on and, and and Julian Nixon on. Campbell certainly ahead of Nixon, given the fact that he was here this spring. And as Hypel – or as uh, Golish said, Nixon was never asked to block um, in, his, in his high school career. Um Let's go to Corrington Ball Seventeen. Can we expect our offense to be a Baylor-style offense, similar to when RG three was thrown around for a thousand yards and TDs everywhere? Yeah, hope so. Who knows? We'll see how the quarterback play goes there. Also, to AP, what's the real deal? Gut feel with Walter Nolan's situation is not enough being made of the fact that Tennessee has got Rodney Garner as its ace in the hole in his recruitment, and the fact that Tennessee can offer him immediate playing time, superstar status, NIL opportunities.
1: I don't know why you have to get on your burner account to ask me (laughs) about Walter Nolan. Um, You know, I don't think setting Tennessee up as this favorite helps Tennessee because I don't think it's a lock that he's coming here. Do I think that Tennessee has as good a shot as anybody? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that they've really done a nice job and Rodney's done a phenomenal job, but I think, you know, Saying that he's some lock to Tennessee, it would just be wrong because you know again, um, that that recruitment's going to have a bunch of twists and turns. I mean, it was the final three until it was not the final three, and now it's a new final three until it's another final three. I mean, that you know, I mean, he tweeted about Instagram followers and committing. I mean, like this, is, this thing's going to be, it's going to be the thing that drives Rodney nuts between now and December.
0: Yeah, because I think one of the things Rodney's done that's got him in the recruitment is is a lot of the honesty. And it's yeah. about, it's about development. It's not about being a superstar. You know, it's about developing and getting, you know, being the best player you can be and, and developing you to be a better person and, and certainly to be ready for the National Football League. So – um I'm sure there's probably going to be some times where there's some shaking, like like the whole Instagram thing. Is that legit? I mean, if he gets to a certain number of followers, is he really going to commit? He got there within like an hour and didn't commit. So, um, you, you know, it's there. There's some there's some games being played there, and and like you say, it's the final three until it's not the final three, and there's a new final three out there. So, um, Tennessee's in it, which Rodney Garner deserves a great deal of credit for. They'll get him on campus, I think, multiple times. And they'll be in it to the end. But the favorite, I'm not putting. I'm with you. I'm not putting anybody as a favorite for, for that one at this point. Um, out of the 21 recruiting class, who is most likely to outperform their high school ranking? Jalen Wright. That one's simple because I think he's going to get a ton of
1: opportunity, and his his ability to, to to really change the
0: game with his speed is something that I think will be a, a wow factor on Saturdays. And, I mean, he's he wasn't a high school player, but certainly Byron Young would be the guy on the defensive side of the ball that that would factor into that. But I agree that this offense is, uh, seems like a perfect fit for, for Jalen Wright, for sure. Uh, Tony G. and SC, realizing that we lost several players listed as best in the country to transfer, but we also picked up several that look to be big contributors this year. Do you see the transfer portal activity as a net positive or a net negative as it pertains to the twenty-one balls football team as of today, well, much like the recruiting classes, you don't know till three or four years down the line.
1: I don't think you truly know if the totality of Caleb Tremblay, DJ Terry, Jawan Mitchell, Kamal Haddon, Brandon Turnage, Joe Milton, Javante Payton outweigh the loss of Henry, Eric Gray, Wanye, and Keyshawn Lawrence. I, I don't. I, I don't think you'll know for a couple of years, um, but it potentially could. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think the loss of Eric Gray. I think Eric Gray will have a nice year at Oklahoma. I think he'll put up some big games, touchdowns, and and everything. But I'm not sure like Tennessee's really worse there without him. Whereas I, you know, I think losing, you know, Keyshawn Lawrence is a blow because I think that they could really use him a nickel. I think you know, everyone wants you know. I know Henry wasn't great a year ago, but you know Tennessee could still use linebacker help. And you know, one who I would rank fourth out of the four. You know, he 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 would provide depth, Brent, and and you know that, that's a position they're just not real deep at.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the net positive or net negative is going to be. I'll say this: I think Josh Heupel and his staff deserve a lot of credit for building building the roster and adding some quality guys when they had clear needs that they had to address because of because of what happened with Crouch and Henry T. Leaving, you had to have linebackers. They addressed that. Uh, they went and dr- addressed some things. So I don't know what, like you say, I think it's going to take years to determine or time to determine what the net positive, net negative might be. But the fact of the matter is they had to go in the transfer portal and because they lost good players. And I think they went and got some guys who were going to be good football players who were going to be big-time contributors for them right out of the gate. I think guys that you're going to see um, early and often against Bowling Green on, on Thursday night. Speaking uh, of net, speaking of net,
1: greatest net of all time draws Petrovic, Petrovich Derek Coleman or Jason
0: Kidd go Petrovich I agree could shoot the lights out could shoot the lights out I had to think where you're going for that for a second but then you were talking about the, the New Jersey net so uh yeah he could shoot the lights out no no question there uh with, with that one for me all right um My my man, um, Big Orange 1710 has got a laundry list of Danny White questions for you regarding football (laughs) schedules. All right, here we go. You ready? If you were Danny White and you're working on future football schedules, would you do the following? One, schedule the biggest possible non-conference matchups like Oklahoma, Notre Dame, et cetera, or would you schedule winnable Power 5 games against teams like Pittsburgh, NC State, et cetera? We'll start there.
1: Uh, I would go with the NC State ones because I think this league is going to get tough enough as it is. I, I, in the old days, I would lean the Oklahomas and Notre Dames. In the new age of college football, I leaned towards the, the middle-of-the-road teams that Tennessee's got a much better chance to, to beat right now.
0: Schedule neutral site games on a regular basis or just every once in a while?
1: Um, I think every once in a while, if the payday is good. Um, Danny White wants to schedule home-and-homes, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I would not – I mean, in any in way, this was already set up, would not be playing this West Virginia game because the payout's not big enough. That Chick-fil-A game that they're getting into with Syracuse where your payout's nearly $5 million, that would make sense. But if your payout's not, not in that stratosphere, then I'm not playing neutral site games. And I'm certainly not playing them on a, on a regular basis. I, I'm doing that, you know, on, on somewhat of a limited basis because I, I want that home crowd. And I don't, you know, I don't want to do those unless you're just offering a whole bunch of money. Uh, Number three, cancel the 22 Army game and find an easier team to prepare for. Yeah, that's easy. Um, The the
1: previous head coach screamed and yelled and, you know, went bananas about that game. He wanted it off the schedule for three years, and it never did come off. Um, You know, if I was Josh Heupel, I would feel the same way. Playing a team like Army, playing like a team like Paul Johnson, Georgia Tech, Tough to defend for. You just don't see it, but the one time, and it makes no sense to play that game.
0: Fourthly, try to get our open date scheduled in the middle of the season before or after Alabama or the week before a key toss-up game like South Carolina or Kentucky. I don't know. I mean, the SEC controls so much of that scheduling. I don't know that that's – I don't know how feasible that is uh, to do that stuff around. I mean, like, I, think by, I think bye weeks matter. But,
1: like, you know, I mean, Tennessee played a and and Alabama back-to-back, then had the bye week and come out of the bye week and lost to South Carolina in 2016. If they win that game, you know, who knows what happens the following year and how it all transpires, you know, going forward. So, you know, I, I, again, I think they matter, but, you know, I wouldn't, you know, bet my whole season on where my bye week is.
0: Um, hard hat ball. Do you think the SEC adds more teams or sticks with just OU and Texas in the near future? Um,
1: I think they'll add more
0: teams. We'll be curious to see what this whole Alliance thing is or isn't, is it, does it ever become anything with these other three conferences? Um, pretty fascinating to, to see, to hear that they don't have anything signed. What are they trying to do? They're certainly trying to stick it to the SEC, If I was the SEC, I I would be really enticed to try to go and get a Clemson and Florida State just to flex my muscle even more, you know? Yeah, I just – financially, I don't know if they can get out of that. Those binding agreements with that league are pretty tough. But I can tell you this, I I would bet there's some teams in the ACC, particularly those two, probably a little uneasy about this alliance because you've already started to hear some of the Big Ten and Pac-12 talk about academics and, you know, their institutions of higher learning and all of these things. Um, and that's not to say Clemson and Florida state are not, but they're also football schools um, and, and that they want to be like SEC football schools and they want that big paycheck. So I'd be curious to see how assertive the ACC is in this so-called alliance uh, that is uh, trying to be thrown together here. Uh, Iron Vol wants to know y'all mentioned Tuesday that if you were UT in regards to the investigation, uh, if you were UT, you would keep putting it off and not self impose while I don't disagree with this, would this not hurt recruiting? If we put something out there, could we not get some of the negative recruiting behind us and jumpstart our class a little bit more? Sure you could. I mean, I also think there's a different
1: way to skin a cat, too. I mean, like, you, you can – by the way, I don't promote skinning cats. Um, just think that from a standpoint of, like, you know, if you're Tennessee, you can look at a kid and say, hey, look, the NCAA didn't rule on Baylor for six years. You come here, before they even rule, you'll be out of here. You'll be in the NFL. You know, I mean, like, different ways to pitch it. You know, and so I, I, again, I think we're getting to a point where I'm not sure it's going to hurt Tennessee much longer in this recruiting cycle. And so, um, you know, even if you don't self-impose and and you play the long game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the point is, I mean, how much at this point are you going to get a jump start in recruiting with signing day in December? And we're heading into September. You're getting ready to head into September. You know, I mean, how, how much is that? I mean, these guys, a lot of these guys have already made decisions. So how much is that really going to help you um, kind of moving, you know, moving forward this late in that class? Now, if you're talking about six months from now, you don't have a resolution, you know, maybe that's certainly working against you. But uh, I don't know how much you can jumpstart things here over the next 12, 14 weeks before you get into signing day. Um, let's go to the next one. I've heard on multiple outlets how, about how good the team looks, meaning in terms of their shape. And redistribution of weight. There's been so much turnover in our weight program in the past ten years. Who's leading the strengths and conditioning these days? Did Apple bring it with him? Have you guys noticed a difference? Maybe we have solved this at least for the foreseeable future. Can you please provide your thoughts? The first time least talked about guy ever. <laughs> he, yeah, first time uh,
1: you know really since Johnny Long was was let go. That you know I think we. Um did not hype up the strength coach Kurt Schmitz's name. Uh, you know, I think he's done a really good job. You look at Aubrey Solomon. Now does he help this defensive line? I don't know, but he looks way better and way more in shape than he was a year ago. Same thing with Darnell, Wright. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, they do seem like they're in really good shape. Um, and you'd expect most of these guys to be, but again, I look at some of these guys that have kind of been sloppy the last couple of years and they really pass the eye test right now. So You're right. The guy that's been least talked about in the last 15 years or 12 years, however it is, is a guy that I I think probably deserves some praise because he's gotten some good, you know, some good results to this point.
0: Yeah, it certainly certainly has. A couple other questions here as we as we get ready to head out the gate. Um, Would you pick last year's football team over this year's football team? Same question for basketball.
1: Yes. And here's why you would take this year. Yeah, just because of team chemistry. You know, again, I think in certain ways this football team is better. In certain ways last year's football team was better as far as, like, particular position groups. But I think the chemistry on this team is way better, and it should be better.
0: They're actually hanging out and not, you know, quarantined. Yeah, I think I would say the same for both, with basketball and football, simply for that matter. I think the development – off the field, off the court in terms of team chemistry is certainly much better now. Uh, They've had normal off seasons, which has helped guys be in much better shape. Um, Now that's a different conversation than saying who's more talented. Um, You know, maybe that's a bit more of a toss-up in basketball when you talk about, you know, Springer and Keon Johnson uh, who were on that team a year ago. But in terms of developing a team, developing individuals, you know, adjusting to college as freshmen, this basketball team and those newcomers are going to be much further along than last year because they've had a normal off season. And you hope that you don't have a bunch of guys that go into any kind of quarantine like you had last year. I mean, that's a basketball team had games canceled last year uh, because of COVID and and really stunted the development of that group, particularly early in December. So based on that, I would take both basketball team and a football team from this year, not necessarily saying they're more talented, just saying that should be a better team because of what they've been able to do, in terms of normal life here uh, the last six or eight months. Um, Austin ranked Tennessee's big board when it comes to these 23 in-state offensive linemen. Here's going to be my answer on all these guys. about. I think it's at a continued evaluation of all of them. I don't know that there is a ranking of Luke Brown, Bryson Sanders, Joe Crocker, Tyler Jeffries, and Lance Williams. I think, both, I think all those guys remain in, a, in an evaluation stage. Even though, they were, even though a lot of them are here for camp, I think they want to see those guys play this fall. I would go Sanders, Crocker, Luke Brown, Williams, Jeffries. Okay, that would be your order. Not saying that those are the – I mean, there's other guys around the country, but just that's the – that's where you would kind of rank those guys uh, in the state. But don't you think that that's still a continued evaluation for all those guys in terms of where they would rank on their overall board uh, on the offensive line? Yeah, because I'm not sure Tennessee would take very many of those guys, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that just depends on – you know, again, how they performed this fall and kind of where their development is uh, moving forward. All right, last one, and then we're out the door. This is ball for life, 37643. What happens to guys like Isaac Washington who enter the portal and don't find a home? Will they keep their eligibility till they find a place? Also, quarterback targets for the 23 class. I don't know what happens to a guy who doesn't have – I mean, does this clock start or does it not start? Um. I don't know, really he answer would still, that. He would, still, he would still have the he – he would, would he would have five to play four?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dante Moore, Marcel Reed, um, those would probably be the top two. And then the kid, uh, name escapes me from Kansas, the Tennessee just
0: offered. Got you. Marcel Reed's interesting. Where's he going to be? Is he going to be a football guy, a basketball guy? Is he going to dedicate to one of those sports? I think there's a ton of talent there to, to maximize his talent on the football field he's probably going to have to focus a little bit more on football than what he has focused on to this point in his high school, you know, career, where he's played a ton of basketball.
1: You got to put on weight, you know, and that's the thing is buying in to the football side of things. I know he wants to play both, but you know, you know, you're only Allen Iverson until you're not. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with Marcel Reed. If If he goes football and puts on the weight, then he's got big time, big time potential. He's already got potential, but, I
0: mean, I'm talking big-time, big-time potential if he puts on the weight. Yes. Um, and then the last basketball question I'll answer here, this is from Rocky Top 73 I'm going to answer this basketball question. The apparent Ziegler, North Carolina point guard, or New York point guard signing, is the thinking that he's a two- to three-year player who provides the balls two dynamic point guards for at least this season and next, thus fixing a weakness in Barnes teams the past four seasons? Uh, exactly so- what it is. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that they watched play. Uh, They saw him play Brandon Miller. Rob talked about this in the Tuesday podcast. They saw him um, play against Brandon Miller, and he was really good in the Peach Jam. They decided to uh, really watch him play some more, and they decided to offer. Uh, Rick Barnes always wants a fast point guard, and he wants a guy who's going to be in the program for multiple years to provide depth um, and and a guy that they can count on in any situation. So that's why you're seeing Tennessee go the direction they are going with Ziegler. And we're going to go the direction of football because a week from today, Tennessee plays against Bowling Green in the season opener. So that's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the Mailbag Podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. For Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.